This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, midweek, Wednesday afternoon, May 18th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. It's Education Week, and we'll take a look at tactics to help make college more affordable in our next segment. But first, building permits and housing starts slipped last month amid ongoing supply issues. We welcome in Richard DeKazer, Chief Corporate Economist, Wells Fargo in Washington. Richard, thanks for joining us today. Permits slipped sharply, but that does not mean construction on homes will slow down anytime soon. No, that's right, Rob. Uh, Permits have slipped a little bit, but housing starts, that is the actual number of shovels stuck in the ground for new homes, uh, was about the same and remains at a fairly high level. You know, you hit on the key word when you talked about scarcity. The reason we're seeing such huge price increases in the housing market is because there's a shortage Builders are starting to respond. Well, I guess it's fair to say they have been responding for about the past six, eight months. And uh, that implies that supply is coming. Uh, It'll take some time, of course, but uh, with the current level of housing activity, starts, new construction and the like, we should see a little bit of relief on the supply side. Uh, by your end. And then uh, when we're talking about uh, the homes that are being built right now, does this mean that uh, that we're probably looking at maybe a year or a year and a half out uh, in terms of when uh, the market kind of, when when, when construction catches up with the market? You hit the nail on the head. That's just about right. Now, as I said, permits have been, and and construction have been running high for the past six months, so we should, should see the cutting edge of that by the end of this year. But you're absolutely right. It takes a while for these projects to get uh, find their way to completion, so uh, we probably won't hit the peak of new supply coming online till early next year. And this is something that uh, these projects will be seen through to completion. It's not like 2008, uh, where you had a housing bubble burst and a lot of subdivisions that were under construction in, say, July of 08 were remained abandoned for a couple of years until things picked up once again. And the end result is that the housing market will eventually cool off and there will just be a lot more homes available once the once the supply and demand levels out you know that once again you hit the nail on the head and i cannot emphasize enough how different the situation is today from where it was in the previous housing bubble 06 07 and the collapse in the subsequent years then we had a glut of housing on the market builders were building in the face of already oversupplied housing market conditions Today is exactly the opposite. We have still very lean conditions. So, you know, the risk of this uh, suddenly flipping uh, as it did then 
is very, very low. And what's it going to look like on the other end once things do uh, eventually cool off? Because there's been a lot of discussion about how like, the lesson after 08 was don't overextend yourself and uh, be very conservative in the uh, amount of new construction that you undertake. Uh, what is this going to look like, let's say, two or three years down the line? My best guess is we're going to have a fairly healthy resolution with supply coming back into alignment with demand, which is clearly very elevated now, uh, but that we're going to have a happy conclusion. Uh, you know, home price appreciation has been running about 20% a year for the past year. That can't last. As the supply comes to market, that'll slow down close to nil, in my view, in a couple of years. Uh, but again, uh, we're not looking at the kind of overhang of unsold properties we saw uh, 20 years ago, and as a result, uh, 15, close to 15 years ago, as a result, I don't think we're going to see that kind of enormous 30% price decline really just coming down to earth from 20%, say, to low single digits is most likely. Richard DeKazer, Chief Corporate Economist with Wells Fargo, based in Washington. Coming up, how to maximize college affordability. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. We continue our education week on the Noon Business Hour with the focus today on college affordability and helping us with advice to get a better handle on this is Frank Palmasani, college affordability and financial aid expert and college counselor at Providence Catholic High School in New Lenox. Frank, thanks for joining us today. The focus of education week, you might think as we talk about uh, getting into college, choosing a college, paying for college, that this week and these segments are geared towards somebody who has high school students. But I have an eight-year-old at home. She's my oldest, and uh, that means 10 years from now she's going off to college, and already I'm plugging in our college savings into a calculator, looking at the growth in tuition over the course of a decade, and then getting very depressed. So uh, what are some things, even as the parent of a younger student uh, for whom college is a, a, a 10 years down the road, uh, what are some things you know you can be looking at as a parent now about making that math work out a decade from now. Well, thanks, Rob, for having me on. <clears throat> Obviously, what you're doing is is well-intentioned, and you should be doing it. The idea of attempting to save through 529 plans long-term for your younger child's education is certainly the way to go. One of the things that is important, however, is to realize two variables are always in place. One is that when you look at sticker price and you try to forecast sticker price down the road, it certainly can be depressing. But very few people pay sticker price, right? So we know that colleges are discounting today at significant percentages. And so the opportunity for scholarships and grants can certainly be a factor in driving down that sticker price down the road. The other variable is that you know, when you look at how to finance one's education, you may not only have to do it through savings, right? So there's examination of cash flow. There's the possibility of recognizing that there's some costs that you pay for now while your child's at home and when those costs are going to be gone or those costs will be gone when the child's away at college. So there's a way to, to kind of manage your college costs in a more comprehensive way as opposed to thinking that you have to have all of it available in savings at the time that they're ready. There's been a great deal of discussion about student loans lately and uh, how much can be forgiven, uh, whether or not uh, the government can uh, do various things to forgive interest payments and so on and so forth. But if, when you, if you do apply for federal student loans, uh, what are, what, what's the better value? And 
Are there programs available in which you can seek and receive debt forgiveness down the road if you go into a certain profession? Well, the challenge with the political conversation that's going on now is we don't know how that's going to impact the future. So, you know, if you get into this mindset that I'm going to borrow an unlimited amount of money because down the road someone uh, in relationship to, to government people who are in charge at the time will forgive that, I think that would be a huge mistake. You know, so ultimately you've got to use good uh, logic, uh, you know, make a prudent decision, put all of those variables together, uh, and affordability is a key variable. So um, reasonable debt makes sense. Um, the student can borrow 5500 in freshman year, 6500 in sophomore year, and 7500 in each of junior and senior years currently, any student, just by filing a document. And so that might be viewed as reasonable borrowing. Once you get into borrowing beyond that, I think I would put up a big caution light and encourage students to look at options, college options, that don't indeed force them into more borrowing. Frank Palmasani, college affordability and financial aid expert and college counselor at Providence Catholic High School in New Lenox in the southwest suburbs. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. And then coming up next, a look at opting for smaller colleges as opposed to larger ones. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As we continue our focus in Education Week, choosing a smaller college can provide a valuable experience compared to a larger one. Giving us a better perspective on that is Stephen Scott, president of Lake Forest College, based in Lake Forest. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us today. Uh, when students come to the Lake Forest College campus, uh, what is it about being a forester uh, that sells them on that particular campus? Well, Rob, it's great to talk to you, and thanks uh, thanks for the opportunity today. We've just had our most successful admission year in history. We've got close to 500 new first-year students who will be joining us this fall, and they're coming from all across the country, and for that matter, 50 other countries all around the world. And I think when they come to campus, you know, or what, why they are attracted to campus is a number of reasons. Um, first, the campus itself has been transformed in recent years. We've spent more than $150 million on really state-of-the-art facilities, from a new science center to a competitive sports center and many other campus amenities that I find very attractive. But even more importantly, we've got a suite of programs that are really cutting edge, from neuroscience and data science to entrepreneurship. And one of the most exciting developments recently, Rob, is a joint program we've developed with our nearby partner, Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and Science, a health professions program in which students can spend four years here on our campus studying health professions and then move directly into competitive professional or academic programs at the graduate level at Rosalind Franklin University. So all of those programs, the campus, competitive athletics, and of course, always our proximity to Chicago, all of those things together just make it a very attractive proposition as our admission record uh, sort of demonstrates. And of course, your uh, your next door neighbor is the Chicago Bears. Uh, that certainly helps too. 15, Absolutely. 1,500 students. And uh, what is it that some students tell you? Why did they thrive in a smaller environment compared to a much larger school, a state campus where you have 10,000 students or more? No, I appreciate the question, Robin. We're actually now at about 1,700 students. We're about 200 up from where we were just a few years ago. But I think students appreciate direct contact with really excellent, well-qualified faculty across all the disciplines. We have 
you know, one full-time faculty member for every 12 students. So the student-faculty ratio is incredibly competitive. Very personal relationships that students develop with faculty. And I think those relationships really enrich and enliven the educational experience that students have here over the four years. Um, they also get an opportunity to develop relationships and friendships with other students, again, from all around the world that set them up to understand the world better and really prepare them for any number of things they'll do after they graduate. Plus then finally, again, just the opportunity to participate competitively in sports, theater, art, music, other things very directly that we offer here at the college that are just much harder to do at a much larger place. Stephen Scott, president of Lake Forest College, based in Lake Forest. Thanks for joining us on Education Week, sponsored by St. Xavier University. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The numbers of COVID infections and hospitalizations across the country on the rise. We'll have a special report coming up from CBS News. Governor Pritzker has signed legislation that will ban possessing and making ghost guns in Illinois. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. We'll look at common mistakes young investors make. We'll also examine why a Roth IRA may be the best choice for retirement savings especially for younger workers. WBBM business, the markets are uh, substantially lower. The Dow is down 982 points. The NASDAQ is down 496. The S&P 500 is down 142. AccuWeather says cloudy and quite cool with some rain. A high today of 64. Cooler at the lakefront, it's 1231. CBS News special report. Mask requirements could once again return to many areas as COVID-19 cases rise. Over the past five weeks, we've seen a steady increase in COVID-19 cases. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky says the increasing cases are mostly in the Midwest and Northeast right now. While cases remain much lower than during the Omicron surge this past winter, the current seven-day daily average of cases is now at about 94,000 cases per day, which is an increase nationally about 26% over the previous week and a threefold increase over the last month. White House COVID-19 coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says more funding is needed. We'll probably get a new generation of vaccines, or certainly we need to plan for that. And I want to make sure we have enough resources that we can buy enough vaccines for every American who wants one. We do not have the resources to do that right now. So without additional funding from Congress, we will not be able to buy enough vaccines for every American who wants one. CBS News special report on Wendy Gillette. It's 1232. Illinois now has a law to ban the sale and possession of ghost guns. Governor Pritzker signed the legislation today. Those weapons lack serial numbers. They're privately made from parts that can be assembled at home or created on a 3D printer. And such guns were involved in over 20,000 suspected crimes nationwide last year. 
The noon business hour continues. Stocks are sharply lower on Wall Street as the Dow transports break below a key technical level. Joining us with the latest on today's sell-off is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. 24 hours ago, we were looking at a nice little technical rally on the markets uh, in response to a couple of earnings reports from two big retailers that both said the same thing. People are still buying, but both of those retailers are shouldering uh, increased supply costs and are dealing with uh, supply chain issues and inflation. And then Target reports today, and then the Lowe's reports today, saying basically the same thing, and then the markets went through the floor. What happened? Well, I think, you know, when you see a a stock like Target, a company like Target, I mean, sometimes when investors look at these declines, it's it's just numbers. But here is a major company that is losing right now one quarter of the total value of the company. Um, Yes, it looked like spending was still okay, uh, but keep in mind, you know, those reports are what's happened over the previous three months. And there could be a number of things that have kind of aided consumer spending in the near term. One of those being, quite frankly, investors stockpiling right now because they see inflation going up and they want to buy stuff before it gets more expensive. That, And what the market is saying is, yeah, the spending looks okay, but wait till you see what it looks like maybe three months hence. And, and, and thus you get these kinds of sell-offs. And you get the sell-offs, as you alluded to, in the Dow Jones Transportation Average, which is probably the most economically sensitive index there is and is an excellent barometer on future economic activity, and that's down almost 7% today. So, you know, I I think there's been kind of a a reset on the whole retail environment here, uh, you know, against a backdrop of, you know, 5 to $6.00. Uh, you know, gallon of gas, and and uh, the market is kind of indicating that yeah, the consumer is not going to be able to maintain this level of spending. The uh, the the biggest losers in the Dow Transport Index are all involved in the supply chain in some way: delivery companies, trucking companies, uh, two big railroads, uh, Union Pacific and Norfolk Southern. Uh, their stocks down sharply today. Uh, are these pressures from fuel prices? Diesel is even higher than regular regular gasoline. Or is this a function that uh, the the car loads and truck loads are slowing down? Both, uh, both. I mean, you've got they definitely have higher costs. Both, and as you mentioned, their fuel costs, their labor costs are up. And you know, there is that question about um, you know the, the supply chains and impacting uh, you know the demand side of things. And uh, you know, it, demand has been there, but you know, the big question is: Is it going to continue to be there? And are they going to be able to capitalize on that? Or right around the time the supply chains, you know, kind of work themselves out, which it seems like that deadline keeps getting pushed farther and farther back. Uh, is the demand going to be there? Because, again, of a, a consumer that's it's kind of getting sapped here of their their spending power. And, and that's really what the market's trying to grapple with is, you know, it, this is where the economy is now. Is it going to get any better, especially if the Fed's boosting interest rates? Um, and will the Fed be able to kind of orchestrate both raising interest rates um, to to hinder inflation without tanking the economy. Um, are they going to be able to do both those things, one of those things, none of those things? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of an ugly bullion base for the market right now, and it's it's we're seeing it 
played out here with, you know, a thousand point decline in the Dow Jones industrial average and an even bigger decline in the in the Dow transports. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, a look at common mistakes young investors make. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. On this Personal Finance Wednesday, we look at mistakes young investors make and what can be done to correct them. We welcome in Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management based in Wheaton. Check out the website, fairhavenwealth.com. Mark, thanks for joining us today on this Personal Finance Wednesday. Uh, Let's start with uh, a real big mistake that some people might make, especially especially right now. It's college graduation season, and uh, people could be venturing out in their first uh, professional jobs that have... Uh, retirement benefits, and they may say to themselves, you know, I could put this in a 401k, or I could have a a heavier take-home pay every other Friday. Uh, Is that the biggest mistake a lot of uh, younger investors make, is just not investing at all? That, you know, Rob, that might be, you might just hit the nail on the head as the single biggest mistake any of us can make. Uh, So turning our backs on the power of time, uh, the, the power of time is enormous in saving for in saving for longer term goals, and so thinking, yeah, I'll get to saving tomorrow, and and right, I'm going to focus on getting more take home pay. I mean that that I'm not I'm not uh, overselling this that that could be a million dollar mistake for some for some people if they if they wait too long. So yeah, not not getting started, not getting started early, uh, not systematizing your investment process, not having an idea about what you're investing for and so whether that's through a a written financial plan uh or just a list on the a list on the refrigerator of different of different goals that you might have not having a specific idea about why you're doing what you're doing in your in your own financial planning and sticking to it can be a huge mistake and it all it also opens you up to the to falling victim to shiny objects for those fishermen uh out out there and so uh you know maybe uh Maybe you end up listening to one of your buddies that's in the life insurance business and you find yourself with a life insurance policy and then somebody else is talking about how much money they're making in crypto. And before you, before you know it, you've just got a, a tangled mess uh, five to ten years down the road that, that needs to be unwound. But yeah, getting started early and sticking with it, number one mistake to avoid. At the height of crypto and at the height of uh, the meme stock craze a little over a year ago, a lot of the rhetoric around that type of trading activity did carry the whiff of uh, sports betting you know this is how you can make an awful lot of money in a short amount of time if you if you just bet the right uh, the right stocks and get it at the right moment Um, speculative assets and uh, getting caught up in those types of investment crazes if you don't have the money and don't know what you're doing uh, that could be uh, potentially very destructive you're hitting on two more great ones, and that and that is the the belief that there's easy money out there. That that uh, that that as soon as people start talking about how easy it is to double or triple their money, whether that's in tech stocks back in the net late 90s or real estate in 2008 or NFTs and the cryptos t- today, th- those are absolute uh, danger signs to be looking out for. And then, and then sort of related to that that you touched is the idea that the investment markets in general are your friend. I am a firm believer that uh, we should think about the investment markets as 
always trying to get us to, to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. And so when markets are going up, the stock market is saying to us, hey, I'm going to the moon. You better, you better get on board so you don't get left behind. Or like what we're going through right now, where stock market difficulty, it, what the market's saying is, hey, I'm going to zero. You better sell everything before, before, uh, before you lose it all. It, fighting, fighting those natural emotions uh, are another huge mistake to, to avoid. Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management in Wheaton. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Check out the website, fairhavenwealth.com. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, a look at the benefits of using a Roth IRA to save for retirement. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. No matter what stage your career is in, especially for younger people, choosing a Roth IRA could be your best option. Here to bring us a clear perspective on that is Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to set you up the same way I set our previous guest up, and that is uh, you have a lot of people who are graduating from college uh, this month will be going into their uh, first job that pays a salary and benefits, and they're going to get a listing of uh, how they want to uh, invest a portion of their paycheck in a retirement account, and they're going to see possibly a Roth IRA or a 401k. And what are the advantages and disadvantages uh, to getting a Roth IRA versus a 401k? Well, it, it, I wish you, the intro said, you know, to get a clear perspective, I wish the answer were clear. It turns out it's very complicated. In is that you don't pay uh, taxes later. You pay it right away as you put the money in, and then the money can compound in that account tax-free, and you can take it out at any time without having to pay tax. A regular 401k is just the opposite. You get to put the money in tax-free, but you take it out and pay tax at the time. And basically, the concept is that uh, you, you decide which, according to whether you think tax rates will be higher or lower later in life. Now, the traditional answer from almost everybody is that, oh, well, tax rates inevitably will be going up, so I might as well pay the tax now and therefore avoid the higher tax later. It turns out that rarely does it work out quite so neatly. And the answer and the reason for why that is the case is that later in life, typically after retirement, our incomes usually fall. We're not earning as much. We're just living on our retirement. And at that point, our tax our actual tax rate will come down, even if tax rates, as a general rule, have gone up. Historically, I mean, you're talking about uh, you know that that bet on how much tax you're going to pay either now or later in life. Um, you have to look ahead by 40 years, but looking back 40 years, you know what has you know how have tax rates changed over time? You know, looking back, you know, from 1982 through today. Good question. Well, it turns out that uh, one of the key questions is whether tax rates are adjusted by inflation. You have the different thresholds that will put you into a higher tax bracket. If those thresholds don't change and inflation continues at a current, its current rate, then, of course, most of us will be in a much higher tax bracket uh, when we retire. But it turns out tax brackets are now being adjusted more regularly by inflation, so that's less than a, a less of a worry. I end up telling my clients one of the major advantages of going with a Roth is that you do not have to take money out at age 70 and a half. That's a requirement currently with a 401k that is not a Roth. You have to start taking withdrawals at no later than the age of 70 and a half. 
And it may be that, you, you know, you or I or whenever we retire may not be in the situation where we have to take money out. So why be forced to do so? And with a Roth, you are not forced to do it. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.